Good morning and welcome to the Black Pill Radio Show. I'm your host, Mr. Tyler. And today we have a wonderful topic. We are talking to black business owners and why we should support black businesses. Sorry for the technical difficulties, um, but we will catch up soon. I have one caller on the line, the other two callers. You guys call back into the line and then I'll put you guys right back into the segment. So call back in. Just call back in and then I'll put you in. All right, so I have one caller on the line now. We're going to find out who that is, and then we're going to get into the topic. So who do I have on the line with me now? Hi, this is Jamila Parham. Hey, Jamila. I want you to introduce the audience to you and your business and what you do, and when the other callers come in, then we'll, we'll get them involved as well. Okay, absolutely. So um, my name is Jamila Parham, and I am a project manager from 9 to 5, um, I do a lot of IT work and leadership with the Chicago Transit Authority. Um, I've spent some time in the public sector, um, and I'm currently transitioning to a new exciting role at the city of Chicago in their division of innovation and tech. But outside of my nine-to-five, I do STEM advocacy. So I advocate on behalf of women and students um, and minorities for resources and education and STEM careers um, because the presence and visibility of people of color and from diverse backgrounds is very critical to the future of technology. Um, so I currently operate under the, the brand, the Tech Unicorn, so that includes, you know, attending panels and um, some exciting partnerships and one-on-one counseling and um, mentoring students. Um, so I use my story of, you know, being a Chicago native, coming from the south side of Chicago, um, there's always this stigma that, you know, don't expect great things from the south side of Chicago. But, you know, I make it, you know, my business every day to, you know, prove that negative impact, you know, a false fact. So there are also some great idols out there that, you know, I won't mention and go down a long list, but they're also doing the same thing. So I'm a proud south sider, um, and I'm excited to be here today and discuss the importance of um, investing in black businesses, supporting black businesses, and making sure that we utilize the power of our dollar. Thank you very much, Danila. Uh, and I have somebody with a 602 area code. Introduce yourself and tell us about your business. That is me. Uh, my name is Shante Pelt. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay. Uh, my name is Shante Pell, and I'm based out of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I work full-time in pharmacy. I um, own a business called Cocoa Pie Clothing, which is a natural hair T-shirt line, actually inspired by my two daughters. Um, we had an experience where one of my daughters seen a T-shirt. She thought it was her. Um, she wore the shirt to no end. And um, I went back out trying to find things similar to that, and that's when I discovered there was a huge gap in representation of children of color, specifically black children in apparel. So I decided to create something myself in her likeness and um, my other daughter's likeness. It's taken off. Um, I've been featured in huge publications and I've garnered um, a lot of support. In addition to that, um, both of my daughters, they are 11 and 7, and they also have an LLC called Ken and Kate Snow Cones. They sell shaved ice. So I'm extremely um, interested in supporting Black-owned business, being intentional, and that's really a passion of mine. So that's what I do pretty much in a nutshell. Excellent, Chante. So I want to start with Jamila. Why is it important for each other's businesses as Black people? Because I know we just have Black Friday and Cyber Monday. 
and a lot of people were shopping at a lot of businesses and a lot of retail stores that are not black owned. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing when they're not supporting us. How do we keep our black dollars circulating in our community? So why is it important for black folks to shop and support small black businesses? And what has been your experience in terms of black people supporting your business? And that question was for Jamila. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. So I had the pleasure of joining an organization, 40 Under 40, and we had an amazing conversation um, yesterday, and I think it applies to many facets um, of the issues we face today is pouring into those that pour into us. Um, it's important that we invest our dollar in our own community to make sure that it flourishes. Um, you know, especially we spend with other brands that don't support us where we're not welcomed um, and we don't know and don't utilize the power of our own dollar. Um, so the direct investment back in our community and our schools um, and the businesses can uplift our community. And, and being black, you know, there is the issue of generational wealth um, is like you know, we started, we got a late start. So we're playing catch up and we have to make sure that we're investing in our businesses and those who support us and making sure we're providing programs and services and to also downplay the stigmas that seem to be circulating and not play into those because there are excellent black businesses out there. Um, there are those who are willing to invest. It's just the importance of coming together and connecting, um, especially with the power of social media today, getting the word out. Um, there are a lot of great organizations that are um, creating directories where it's easy to find, you know, black businesses that sell tissue paper and, and things like that. So I think it's the power of our platforms as well, um, making a conscious effort, um, even if it's, you know, an extra couple miles just to make it to that black business to make sure that you, you know, are putting that effort forward to make sure that we invest in our own communities for our children and for those who are looking up to us and those who, um, in a sense, are following in our footsteps. Good. So I want to ask uh, Shantae the same question. Um, let's just deal with the recent week. So Black Friday, Cyber Monday, I don't know if you had any sales or discounts or anything like that, but you're selling clothing for young children. How was your business supported and do you know the breakdown between black people and others who supported your business. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm sorry, can you repeat the last part? You said, do I know the difference between the breakdown you, between what exactly? Demographics of who were black people supporting you versus white people, or are you not sure of the demographics when it comes to who supported you for Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Oh, I actually do. Um, with With analytics and specifically like where people come from, and the visibility is um, huge. I do have a significant amount of people who are um, biracial customers that are increasing, um, actually uh, white mothers that have um, interracial adoption who are adopting black children is increasing. I wouldn't say um, it's the majority of my customers. It's probably about 10%. Yet initially when I started in um, 2011, it was pretty much primarily all uh, black customers, but I've seen Native Americans buy. I've seen um, people that are that have biracial children or are biracial themselves. 
I've had um, a lot of white mothers reach out, and they do this by email. They tell me specifically, you know, I have a black child, and it's I came across your um, business in a Facebook adoption page. So the diversity um, kind of surprised me because I didn't expect that, especially this quickly, but it is growing. Um, in terms of supporting black-owned business, I agree with everything Jamila said, and I think people need to realize that Supporting black-owned business will strengthen our infrastructure. We don't have the infrastructure in our communities that other communities have in terms of power, in terms of um, influence, and those dollars will go directly back into the community and help us to start programs, help us to open schools, and that will have a direct reflection on crime, on poverty, on things that our communities suffer from more so than others. So it's extremely important. So I want to bring Tony into the conversation. So Tony, tell us a little bit about your business and what you do. Good morning, everyone. And uh, my name is Tony Tony Robinson, and I I own and operate a profitable child care center located in the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, I employ about 25 people, and I have about 125 children in attendance. And it, in my opinion, um, Having money to be in the in, in the black community, it would it would make our community stronger, and it would also grow grow our economy. I'm not sure if you guys mentioned it because I did chime in a little bit later, but you know other communities such as uh, Jewish and Italians, they they operate almost independently, and if they can see the value in it and what it does for their communities, communities, then we should be able to, to do the same thing so that we can generate more jobs and different things like that in our community. So I think it's extremely important that we do that. And, and it helps to fund, It helps, especially in my particular field, it helps to fund our mission, and that's to help these babies and get to them at a young age so they can, you know, we can't have a decreased crime in the community. Sounds good. So could you tell everybody about the uh, school that you have? Yeah, well, um, we serve about five different uh, service areas, and we are a profitable child care center, and um, we provide nutritious meals and snacks. We have curriculums that are based to to serve every age level, um, and we have highly trained certified uh, teachers and co-teachers. So, um, you know, our motto is learning through love, and we do believe that even at an early age, children are teachable. You know, it's not just teachable when they enter into elementary school and then high school. So we actually provide an educational space for them. We don't just babysit our children. Excellent. And I'm going to get back into that in a minute. But I want to know what are we doing as small black businesses to promote and market our businesses because a lot of times we just we have businesses but we don't necessarily have those advertising dollars um, dollars are put into promotion Um, so what are some of the ways that other businesses out there can promote and advertise their businesses at a cost-effective level and what are you guys doing to promote and advertise your businesses and we'll start with Jamila um, I kind of alluded to it earlier is the power of social media and so many platforms to reach so many, um, you know, audiences, you know, instantaneously. Um, and also good old-fashioned word of mouth, you know, just spreading the word um, about black businesses. Um, I 
definitely utilize social media. Um, you know, I definitely leverage networks and um, being introduced to others and other organizations. Um, most importantly, partnerships as well, supporting each other, um, things like that, especially um, in the advocacy space. Um, I've done some work with Paige and Paxton and Blue 1647, so in a sense, definitely uplifting others and, um, you know, utilizing the ways that others advertise. So um, I would say, you know, my number one is social media. All right, social media. So, Shantae, do you using strictly social media or are there other ways you're, you're using uh, your advertising dollars? Um, I mean, not just strictly social media, but I think that's um, definitely a given. I do use social media. Um, it's cost-effective, and it's it's really easy. However, I do do a lot of um, ads, you know, Facebook advertising, advertising on Instagram, and I also get out and I go to different expos. You know, you want to make yourself visible and you actually want to touch the people and reach audiences that you may not necessarily reach, you know, online because there are demographics. Um, I think there's this misconception that everybody's online and everybody is not. So, you know, sometimes I'll go to natural hair expos or I'll go to um, different events in the community and I'll pass out cards or I'll pass out cards um, in the mall or just when I'm out and about, I'll give out stickers and things of that such. And um, kind of like Jimmy was said, I'll, I'll cross-promote with other businesses that have a similar audience as mine. Um, we'll do different things like that. I'll get in um, – other uh, other areas that may not necessarily be, you know, checking for a, a business like mine, but they're still a potential customer. So I try to utilize um, cross-promoting social media, in-person marketing, um, kind of just organic marketing, people that I meet, people that I see, all different um, avenues. All right. And, Tony, how, how do you get the word out about your business? And I have to agree with her, and I don't know if this is just, uh, you know, strategic marketing for most small businesses, but every platform that she mentioned is also platforms that I utilize and take advantage of as well. Um, social media is a great tool. Um, you know, I post things about my facility um and then also I'm a part of a few networking communities here in Chicago. Um, just recently I was inducted into the 40 Under 40 Young Women's Professional League and the 300 uh, Chicago 300 Black Women um, Initiative as well, where in within that community we, we are sisterhood, so we promote each other businesses, and that's when my facility gets additional exposure. Um, I do ads in the community papers, um, and then we also do boots-to-the-ground type of marketing where we go out and we pass flyers out and we'll go door-to-door and we'll um, host summits, um, host them or attend them within our community where we would um, offer specials and registration is free. So, you know, I do have to get extremely creative because when you are a small business, um, oftentimes you don't have uh, a lot of funds to go towards marketing because you're trying to use those funds in other areas of your business. But, um, yeah, everything that she mentioned, uh, you and do I, I do a lot of cross-promoting too, and then I run specials with other businesses um, and then, you know, have them advertise them on their page and we'll do like a, a partnership where if you support, uh, if you register your child, you'll receive this particular discount on this service that someone else is offering. So, you know, you, you have to really partner up and uh, become, to become visible. 
in a lot of different in a lot of these different um, areas of marketing. This is great. This is great information. So to our entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, listen up closely, take notes, because what these ladies are dropping are gems, and it's very important. So I know Jamil is involved heavily in tech. I have Shantae running a clothing company, and I have Tony running her own online, uh, her own daycare. <clears throat> so, Tony, I know you have a physical building, so I'm going to come to you last. I'll start with Jamila. When it comes to tech, do you have an office or is there a brick-and-mortar type of environment where people can come in and work with you, or is your tech services mostly online? Um, so I don't have a brick-and-mortar. Um, I definitely am um, on the move. Um, so I do align with a lot of organizations, um, incubators, and hubs that allow you to utilize spaces, um, and more importantly, black-owned incubators. Um, so I make sure that I have memberships there, like Blue 1647. Um, so they offer a conference room space, you know, for a couple hours a month, or they have different tiers. So um, I do a lot of one-on-ones there. Um, I do utilize virtually, um, even if my customers are not here and clients are here in Chicago. Um, so I don't usually operate and I don't have an office, but I don't let that limit me. It's just utilizing the resources around me and, and partnering and um, using different virtual platforms um, like Zoom. Um, so the, the sky's the limit when it comes with tech. Um, and then you also want to have the one-on-one and FaceTime meetings. It's the best way to network um, in person. And, um, you know, half of that is just showing up and having a conversation and connecting with someone. Um, so that has worked well for me now. So that sounds good. I mean, you bring up something that's very important is that you don't necessarily need to have that, that traditional brick-and-mortar space. There are office spaces that you can rent. There are shared partnerships with spaces that you guys can rent as well where you don't necessarily have to take care of all the bills and deal with property taxes and that kind of thing, but you can still provide a, a comfortable meeting space or a comfortable planning space for your clients, which is very good. So I want to take it next to Shantae. What is your operating space like? Well, um, being that I do work full-time and that my line of apparel is an e-commerce business, you know, the majority of my business is literally run from home or, um, as she mentioned, remote locations. You know, I can go to the library and I can work. I can go to um, spaces with uh, Wi-Fi and, and I can work. I Specifically, I can schedule content. There's so many platforms now to where you can work smarter. You don't necessarily have to work hard. You don't necessarily have to be um, stressed out to run a business. Now, there's going to be some, you know, some trials and some things that are going to be difficult and some stress, but it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So um, the, the majority of my business, like I said, I can, I can um, work from home the majority of the time. I can work from different locations. Um, I can go to the library and work. And it's pretty easy for me. And then in addition to that, they have so many options now, like VAs, and to anyone that's not familiar in the audience, like virtual assistants, to where you can pay people. And it's cost-effective now to do different things for you, to manage your social media or to manage your email or to um, post things for you or to answer questions or to be your customer service online. And I've tapped into many different resources so that I can balance my business life and my personal life. 
more great advice for you entrepreneurs out there and you aspiring entrepreneurs, definitely take advantage of the virtual assistance. It's cost effective, as Shantae said. And even if you're working a nine to five, just like Shantae, that doesn't stop you and that shouldn't deter you from setting up your own business and going as far as you can go with it. You're going to have to make some sacrifices. Personal life, as Shantae mentioned, might suffer a little bit in terms of hanging out, spending extra income going out. But um, if you want your business to survive and strive, and if you want to be able to quit that nine to five and support your own self just strictly through your business, like Tony, and we're going to get into that, um, you definitely got to put those sacrifices in. So, Tony, I'm going to ask you two questions. I want you to answer the first one first, and then I'll get into the second one. What is your operating space like? My operating space, um, I have a 13,000-square-foot facility. Um, and so it's a pretty large, uh, it's a pretty large facility, which is a gift and a curse. I have plenty of space while I'm able to um, enroll and teach of many, most many children. But my overhead is huge as well, so that's that's the gift and a curse. But I, um, I have a 12 classrooms, um, seven bathrooms, huge kitchen. My operating space is is, is pretty big. And and that was part two. So part two of my question is, you don't have to tell us numbers, but just in terms of operating costs, property taxes, rent, water, gas, heat, whatever you may be paying, like for those entrepreneurs who want that brick and mortar for whatever services they're going to be providing, whatever products they're going to be selling, um, what do they have to know when it comes to getting a building? Oh Lord, <laughs> and, it, and it, it is a huge um, undertaking, I and mean, you have to be financially um, stable and fiscally smart. Um, you know, it's more important to me to pay my staff than it is to to for me to get paid. Oftentimes, um, but you just got to go into it knowing that um, you know, and it and it does depend on the space that you have, because again. My, I have a pretty large facility, so of course my overhead is is tremendous. Um, just to give you an example, I pay a monthly water bill, and sometimes my water bill will range from six hundred dollars a month to fifteen hundred dollars a month, depending on different times of the year. So that's just to give you an example of how large. So you have to go in there knowing, you know, what it is that you're getting yourself into, and that will be oftentimes determined by the the amount of space that you have. And I went in there negotiating. You must have an attorney when you're negotiating your lease. I have a lease. So it was, it was um, in my opinion, I wanted to rent because I didn't want to pay property taxes on a on a building that large. And so I pay a portion of property taxes. So I had to have an attorney um, who could maximize my funds every month and negotiate certain things within my lease. Um, I have an accountant who is also a master at what he does, and he assists me greatly because, um, you know, I have to make sure I have certain processes and procedures in order so that I so that I won't be on the losing end month after month, and it's difficult when you're starting up a business, you know, that is a brick and mortar brick and mortar business when you have certain responsibilities every month when you're starting up, and you may not have the the money that's coming in right away, but you still have to have these bills to be taken care of. So I had to go in there and I had to save, 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 save. 
you know, and I asked, I negotiated abatements in my lease and different things like that because I knew, you know, and then I have the type of business that's operated on getting licensed in certain areas. So, you know, I had to make sure that my abatements was uh, smart so that I can begin to pay my lease when when I received the certain certificates and certifications that I needed. So, so I would leasing. say make sure that you, yes. So leasing versus owning. So my question is, if your landlord just decided your lease is up and they didn't want to renew the lease because they wanted to do something different with the property, what would happen to the business? Well, the business, and, and that's the risk that you do take. So that is a risk that I went in going in knowing, but I worked out, you know, a certain deals in, in my lease where they can't, that can't happen at least for 20 years. So that's why I say you have to get an attorney that will basically fight on your behalf so that you can have certain things in place so that you won't, you know, be, be at a loss. And then in, included in my lease, he would not be able to open up another child care center. And, again, he wouldn't be able to do it for another 20 years. So that is the risk that you take when you lease as opposed to own it. But that's, that's great advice. So, ladies, I want to transition into your journeys. Um, I want to start with Shantae. Why did you want to start this business, and what was your journey like in starting the business? Some, just give us a little tidbit of some of the ups and downs that you faced as a business owner. Um, well, this business was actually started – because of the experience I have with my oldest daughter. I mean, we were shopping, and she fell in love with this shirt, and she wore this shirt to no end. Like, I had to peel this shirt off my daughter. And I went out and, you know, looking for more things similar to that, and I just couldn't find anything. I went everywhere, every huge store you think. I could went online, and it was just very eye-opening to how little representation there was for black girls. I mean, you have all these, the Disney princesses, you have just all sorts of variations, as we all know, of, um, you know, children who aren't black, and there was just nothing for her. So I said I'd do it myself, and um, as I mentioned again, I was working full-time, so it wasn't something that was easy. I didn't necessarily know anything about the business, so I started um, using every cost-effective resource that I could, and I got on YouTube University, and I watched everything I could. I started being um, mentored, and she was actually a toddler at this time, so I would drive to another city with her, and I would be mentored by different people and um, different who ran different businesses and different industries, and I would have my baby right with me. Um, so that was a challenge, you know, because she was young. I was much younger when I started. Um, money was a challenge, you know, being a mother, working full-time, and having the money to invest in um, different, like, apparel and, but, but then eventually I learned about wholesale and things of that such and different ways to take advantage of running a business and getting, you know, tax deductions and things of that such. So there was difficulty in terms of advertising. When you first start a business, you, you think everybody's going to support you, and it doesn't work that way. So uh, that was a challenge, understanding that um, everyone is not going to – everyone is not your customer. Everyone is not obligated to support you. You have to get out and you have to do the work. You have to find your audience. Pricing uh, was difficult because people are accustomed to purchasing apparel um, at a retail price. They don't understand what goes into uh, running a business and how difficult it is to make a profit when you first start and a profit that's actually feasible that you can reinvest back into your business. 
Um, so that was a challenge. And probably just the time, you know, being a mom, working full time and doing all the packing and shipping and customer service all myself. But over time, you get better, you learn more, you know, you listen. I did a lot of listening to other people. You know, I took in constructive criticism and I got better and I eventually developed a, um, a method that worked really good for me and now I'm doing extremely well. Excellent. And I'm proud so I hope that, that you kind can. of. It, it definitely ahead. did. I'm, I'm glad that you're pushing on. I did have a question about inventory. So, how do you deal with your inventory, whether it be the supplies or the actual products? Well, initially, when I started, um, I purchased all my inventory wholesale, and um, I just used different programs online to manage inventory uh, for me. Now, I actually use a fulfillment company, whereas they do all the printing and shipping and packing for me. So that's a, a huge transition that I made. It saved me a lot of time. It saved me a lot of uh, stress, and I was able to – now I can do so much more with my family. But those are things that you can literally see online. I can see when something um, is sold out or something is going out of stock or the time frame that it takes. So you kind of prepare for these things. You kind of have to be proactive. You don't wait until those, those things occur, you kind of make sure you have the channels in, in place to kind of track that. So those are things that I can see that I have visibility to online and that I just communicate with my fulfillment center, and I make sure that things can continue to run smoothly. Outstanding. For those who are interested in purchasing some of Shantae's products, um, by tomorrow I'll have a link up on our resource page. Our resource page is dedicated to panelists who have been on the broadcast that we have had in the past, and there will be links to their websites, their social media pages, and in some cases, if they have Amazon accounts, we'll have links to their Amazon um, where people can purchase their products. So we're going to jump to Jamila and tell us about your transition and your journey into the tech world. Uh, absolutely. So my journey started out thinking that something was wrong with me for liking comic books and video games and um, being heavily in the, quote, nerd culture. Um, you know, I went to Chicago public schools, and there weren't a ton of resources for, you know, for us to pursue careers in tech. Um, and thankfully, with the support of my family and my father working so many, you know, hours of overtime and purchasing a family computer for us um, to have that resource because it wasn't at school. Um, so from there, I became so fascinated with tech and video games, and um, it opened a whole new world for me. And, um, and when I initially pursued my career, um, I majored in computer graphics and animation, and um, there was this program that was saying, hey, you came from an inner city school, you need to go through this summer program just to make sure that you, you, know, you have what you need to make it. Um, but the irony of that is majority of us that went through, we were from inner, inner city schools, but we end up graduating completing programs compared to those that started freshman quarter. Um, they didn't make it a year or two. So you kind of have to look, stand back and look and figure out, you know, what does this mean and representation and resources. Um, so I struggled um, with coding and, and technology concepts, and a lot of times I was the only woman and black woman in the room, um, and it's definitely a white male-dominated field. Um, so I operate in impact and representation of minorities and women of color in STEM. 
um, being an IT project manager in a lot of these spaces and the leading initiatives, um, that's sort of how I got the name, the Technicorn, because they don't believe the woman of color minorities are considered a mythical creature that doesn't exist. So I make it my business to let them know that, yes, unicorns do exist, and you're going to see a lot more of us. Um, so I think it was important to have, you know, that visibility there. So I operate in um, the speaking engagements. I've recently um, I spoke on a panel at the University of Chicago, um, Shy Women's uh, Tech Day. Um, so I'm going to be doing the Shy Hack Day in a couple weeks. So I think that partnering with these organizations and sharing my story, um, getting the word out and being a diversity and inclusion champion, addressing some of these issues that are in corporate, um, getting those resources to our communities and getting those partnerships in place is critical. So um, that's my mission and my statement on the stance for diversity. So it's something that I eat, sleep, and breathe. Um, there's a lot of great organizations that have been very supportive of me, and I think I hear my um, fellow 40 under 40 sister on the line. Um, yes, that was you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, organizations like this where we're funneling resources and coming together to propel each other forward are, are very critical. So um, that brought me into the space of the Technicorn and, you know, working with students and, um, you know, startups and advising and consulting. All right, sounds excellent, and I do have a question for you. So when we talk about the, the struggles of getting brown boys and brown girls involved in tech, um, as they become adults and they work in tech, getting hired is one thing, but just when they're young, what are some of the challenges that young brown and, and girls and boys are facing as young people trying to get involved in tech? Absolutely. I would say the curriculum as well. We have to expand that um, to critical thinking, problem solving. A lot of these um, skills that you would need to go into engineering, um, you know, mathematics and science and tech, um, making sure that you're prepared and having those resources because especially in, in Chicago, I'm not exactly sure about other cities, but when you go to some of our schools, you know, the, the technology is so far behind and it's, how can you be prepared for curriculum when you don't have those resources? And then you may go to the north side. Um, it looks totally different from the south side of Chicago, and there's a, two iPads to one student, you know, so there are issues there. But we fortunately have programs and um, that are in place, and I've done some work with Black Girls Code. Um, I worked with them for about a year. They're volunteer and events lead, and we put together hackathons and build a website in a day uh, where parents can come and learn as well on what you need to um, have in place for your child to succeed, you know, if they are interested in STEM careers. So exposing them at an early age, um, programs like Paige and Paxton, um, which is, you know, black-owned right here in Chicago, that exposes as early as preschool to concepts. So um, just to echo what some of the ladies um, have said already is, you know, engaging them as soon as possible um, so that they are prepared. And, you know, in the case of me, um, my career really started in tech, you know, when I got to college and started my first coding class and struggled, almost failed, <laughs> spent countless hours in tutoring just to play catch up. So we have to get them ahead of the curve and we have to have, you know, our parents, uh, equipped with information and resources to make sure that that happens. And I agree 100%. So, Tony, tell us what your journey was like and why you chose to start 
um, child care center that you currently have? So it, I, I believe that a lot of business and ideas come from experience, uh, experience sometimes, hardships or different things like that. So it was actually my older sister who I, I always say she was the brains um, in getting this particular business started. Um, it came from a space where she was uh, having her third child, and she just wasn't satisfied with uh, uh, the way that the child care center uh, were looking and how they were treating children and different things like that. And so she decided to take a house, an empty house, a vacant house, and she turned that into a home daycare and um, housed one of my aunts in it who was qualified and certified to open up a, a, to run a child care center, and it just took off from there. So it kind of was like a collective effort um, between her, myself, and my mom. And in total, we have five um, child care centers. I I speak on mine uh, most often, but we have five in total in the um, south suburbs of Chicago. And it, and it just came from that idea that my sister had to, to create a space that uh, parents can be comfortable with that was in an actual facility but um, gave a home-like atmosphere that provide different things that the children may or may not receive at home, which is uh, meals and snacks and, you know, and, and I always coin, you know, I always coined the phrase that we're not just a babysitting service. We actually pour into these children because we believe that they are teachable at a young age. So it came from that idea that my sister was unhappy with her, um, with her findings in different child care centers. Okay. So I have a question. We talked about it's not just a babysitting service, and Jamila mentioned about mm-hmm. she didn't start working and getting involved in tech until a, an older age, her teenagers, into college, um, and she says we need to get these kids involved at a younger age so they're not behind. So what is your facility doing? What is your program doing to incorporate technology with the services that you provide? That's a great question. So right now we – our children start from six weeks to 12 years old. We offer before and after school um, care for our children. And in our classrooms, <clears throat> ages three and up, we do have computers in every classroom because we see the value in having them to become somewhat tech savvy at a young age. And then we have different programs that the children are learning to use while working on the computer. So um, that's about as far as we're doing at this point. Um, I would love to speak with her or someone else just to get, you know, just to become more tech savvy myself and to have that start with the younger babies. But we're just teaching them the basics, how to learn a computer, what a mouse is, you know, how to cut it on, how to treat it and care for it. Because we do have, and our children do start with that at three years old. And last question about the facilities. Are you guys using smart boards with the kids? No, not at this moment. We're not, and that's and and again, it's because, like she mentioned, you go into certain areas and they do provide those things. Um, I don't know how it is in other uh, in other cities, but because we do need to teach our people the importance of having the black dollars to stay and remain in our communities, um, and that's some of the things. That's some of the goals that I do have. But unfortunately, you know, we have to work with what we have. A lot of my parents are. Um, you know, um, low-income families. So, you know, I fund a ton of things, you know, and and that's with any business, I'm sure. So, you know, once I get 
once we get the parents and the people in the community to understand that it's important to, you know, buy in our community, not just at the child care center, but, you know, come in our area and spend those dollars at your local grocery store and different things like that, then we will, you know, I'll see the tax breaks and I'll be able to afford different things for my babies. Got it. Excellent. And you guys will connect because I'm going to share all your information together. And the post that I put on Instagram about this broadcast, I tagged you guys in the post, so you'll be able to connect with each other as well. Just follow those tags and you'll be able to link up. So I want to move on to Miss Shantae, and I want to know about business advice. We have some entrepreneurs who are listening to the broadcast and who will eventually hear the rebroadcast of this when, they, when it gets archived. Um, so this will stay out there forever. So people who may pick it up that want to aspire to be small business owners, eventually large business owners, what advice would you give them for general advice? And then what advice would you give them that relates to owning a clothing company? Um, general advice. Let's see. Goodness, where do I start? I would probably say to um, get clear on exactly what you want to do. Sometimes we, we want to do too many things at once and you, you practically end up overwhelming yourself. So get clear. You don't necessarily have to take the route everyone else took. You know, I, I had a business plan, but I think a lot of people get caught up in things of that, of that nature because they, because everyone else has that and they, they pretty much get stuck. So one thing I always tell people is start exactly where you are. You may not necessarily be equipped with everything that you need to know, but just start. You know, um, time waits for nobody. It, it passes, and if you don't do anything with it, it will do something with you whether you like it or not. So I would just say um, start where you are. Don't allow people to make you feel small. Um, learn your industry. Don't be afraid to do the research. A lot of times I feel like um, we live in the pick-your-brain age. Everyone wants to um, leverage other people's knowledge or their platforms, and they don't want to necessarily do the work. So don't be afraid to do the work. Um, in terms of starting a clothing line, I would say be sure to, you know, just cross your T's and dot your I's. It's not as easy as it looks, but just do the research. Um, get the proper licenses. Get your business accounts. Um, get all of your domains. I mean, I have copyrights. I have um, all of my images copyrighted. I have my business federally registered and trademarked. Um, so make sure you handle the basics. You may come across times where somebody may infringe on your intellectual property. You want to have um, legal advice or, you know, things of that such available to you. You don't want to be scrambling when you get in a bind. So I would just say to do the research. And if you don't know, um, there's, there's platforms out there, there's organizations out there that are willing to help you for free. We live in the age of information, so just do the work. Great advice. And Jamila, let's give some general advice to aspiring entrepreneurs, and then let's give some specific advice to those same people in terms of how it relates to tech and being involved in the tech industry. And I know tech is huge, but you can make that as specific as you like. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in, in my journey, um, I am just embarking on the entrepreneurship. I still have one foot in corporate and one foot on this journey. So I would say, you know, just to echo, go at your own pace. You know, don't look at everyone else and, you know, see they've been in business for 20 years, run your own race. 
um, you know, it, it's a marathon. So I would just say, you know, do your research and, you know, show up. A lot of the opportunities I've been granted um, and speaking opportunities and panels have been just showing up to events that maybe I knew nothing about, um, didn't know anyone, and, you know, just connecting, uh, passing out business cards and things like that. Um, it's also the importance of mentors and mentorship. Um, I speak a lot about, you know, we live in this age of me and how can I get for how can I move forward? What about my success? But a lot of the times we're so busy looking forward and reaching forward that we forget about who's behind us. So I always say as you reach your hand forward, you reach your hand back um, to those behind you. So, you know, I've taken some um, amazing young ladies under my wing uh, on the journey, um, even though it doesn't feel I've made it far yet, but I want them to kind of experience and learn from me and my mistakes um, along the way. So that's just something that, you know, I sort of uh, speak about. As far as tech, um, I would say you have to be aware every day. It's always changing, especially as we've seen this boom of Bitcoin. And a lot of people are jumping before doing some research, you know. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I just advise, you know, do your research, read, um, connect with others. And as you pursue a career in tech, find your niche. Um, you know, looking forward business intelligence is going to be huge. Data analytics is going to be huge um, for every business. Um, we're starting to see drones, artificial intelligence. So don't fall behind the curve. Um, make sure that you're, you're reading, you're connecting, you're going to these seminars, you're staying up, uh, up to date on what certifications that you need to propel in your career, um, and just sharing information and resources. Excellent advice. So, Tony, again, general advice for business owners and aspiring business owners, and then specific advice for anyone who wants to go into daycare facilities or education. Um, and I hate to say this again, but, you know, coming behind these two uh, fantastic women, my sentiments are pretty much the same on a lot of things that they that they spoke on. And what she said was go at your own pace. You know, sometimes social media will have you believing that the road to entrepreneurship is really easy, but it's not. Do the things that you are supposed to do so that your business can be what it is to you and not look at anybody else. And I think that um, specifically if you want to open up a child care center, well, going back what she said, my business started taking off um, once I started putting myself out there as well. I started, like she said, I started going to networking events and uh, linking up with different women and, uh, and understanding the value of sharing information and, and partnering up with different people. And, um, you know, those things are very important as a marketing tool for your business, but specifically for child care centers. Make sure you're up to date with your licensing. Um, do things by the book. Don't try to cut corners, especially when it comes to the – and see, I, I've worked in banking for years before I got into child care, and I always say I've worked in two of the most important industries when you're dealing with people money and when you're dealing with people children. And don't cut any corners, you know. Handle things the way that you would want to be handled. And I always, you know, I have monthly meetings with my staff, and I say that we not only have to be empathetic, uh, sympathetic, but we have to be empathetic to what these different families and children may be experiencing. Treat these babies. I treat those kids like they're my kids. Those are all my daughters, all my sons, and I tell them to do the same thing. You know, you have to really 
Get your licenses in order. Hire qualified staff members that have a love and a passion and a heart for children because you'll find that you'll you'll run into less issues if you do. Um, and, and it's no joke to really be mandated by the state to have certain procedures and orders because they'll be all in your business. So do things the way that it's supposed to be done, and you will experience way less um, issues. And a lot of times I find that when I – do talk to different women um, that have child care centers. They learn the hard way by trying to cut corners. And when I say cut corners, I don't mean mishandling children. I mean with paperwork. You know, we're dealing with children. We have two sides to my particular business and my particular field. Yes, we have the children's side and the safety side of, and the education side with dealing with the children specifically, but it's a lot of paperwork that goes into um, running the child care center, a ton of it. So if you're organized, and I have a great team. I have an awesome team. I have an excellent director and assistant director, and without them, I probably would be crazy because they really <laughs> keep me keep me together. Right. And that's that's very important advice. And then with all of that paperwork and all of that filings that you have to do, um, storage is very important and how you store and sort things out. Um, storage so I know that's, is extremely yeah. important. Yes. Right. So I, I know that's another. Right. Correct. So, guys, I want to ask you what the future looks like. Short term, long term goals. Um, where do you want to take your businesses and do you have aspirations of starting other businesses, and maybe even in other fields. Just tell us a little bit about what you guys are thinking about. We'll start with Shante. Um, Let's see. My short-term goals, I've actually um, started to, well, not necessarily started to, but I've been networking with a lot of different uh, people in different industries so that I can kind of start to explore different opportunities, not just for my business, but for myself. I'm still fairly young. So I don't want to necessarily put myself in a box. You know, I've been um, blogging. I've been doing a lot of um, interacting with other people, you know, even even mentoring, and I didn't see myself doing that. And it's, it's just basically putting myself in the position and exposing myself and be just organically coming across opportunities. So kind of what um, Jimmy Jamila mentioned in terms of, like, reaching back, I've really been wanting to help other people get started um, help other people get clear about what they want to do and get caught up to speed. I spent a lot of time, almost a year before I even launched my business, just researching, and I didn't really realize how much expertise I had in my business until I started coming across people who I perceived to be so much farther than me and so much more established than me, needing help from me. So um, in that, I kind of, you know, gained insight and gained awareness how could be helping other people that need to get started or, you know, just just need that advice. In addition to that, I would say long-term, I want to get into a retail space, but I wanted my numbers right. Um, A lot of people just want that visibility, but they don't understand that um, profit margins and what they purchase at is completely different than doing it yourself. So at this point, because I've done the work and I know that my numbers are correct, I want to get into a retail space just to have that uh, visibility to kind of reach audiences that I may not reach um, on my own. In addition to that, as I mentioned, my daughters mm. run their own snow cone business. Um, they've done a ton of business fairs, a ton of events. Um, they're licensed. They have their LLC. So we eventually want to develop their own shaved ice machine so I can 
um, kind of get them in a different market, and I want to, you know, create generational wealth. So that's a big goal of mine is just to continue to nurture my daughters and work on their business as well. Outstanding. And Jamila, what what is your short-term and long-term goals? So in the short-term and long-term, I want to make sure that there are as many tech unicorns as possible. (laughs) Um, So right now I've been fortunate enough to have some amazing partnerships that are going to ensure that that happens. Um, And as Tony mentioned, we just joined 40 Under 40, um, a great, amazing, inspirational group of women um, focused on propelling, you know, women of color forward and um, in our initiatives. So, um, you know, short term I'll be partnering with um, Adler Planetarium and After School Matters for Chicago Hack Day. Um, And most recently um, I've done some work um, with the American Heart Association for Go Red, Go STEM. Um, so building upon those foundations and the outreach using my platform um, to make sure that those resources and information are readily available. Um, Long term, I want to get some homegrown programs um, that maximize impact in Chicago. Um, a lot of times I feel there's a lot of organizations that kind of just come through like a tour stop and say, yeah, we have, you know, we have a president in Chicago, um, but I want to make sure that there's purposeful impact and programs here that are here to stay and not just, you know, here for a weekend um, and just say, you know, we have a presence here. So um, through that I'll be doing consulting and building programs for students um, to get access to resources to pursue careers in STEM. Sounds great, and I hope you succeed in all of that. And, Tony, what are your short-term and long-term goals? Um, as far as my short-term goals, is I just want to uh, continue to build centers and communities that have a need for um, child care centers that actually, you know, want to pour into children, you know, of all of all ages and open up different um, after-school facilities. Um, we're in the process of trying to get an after-school facility um, started with more of like a, a YMCA. Well, I'm sorry, that, that is actually my long-term goal as well. Um, so we want to get a, a, a community center um, together in, in an area that, that needs it, because in my particular area, um, we don't have any community centers and different things like that for children to come to, like that's a safe haven. Um, in certain areas of Chicago, it's riddled with violence and different things like that. And, you know, I believe that if we had certain um, centers and places for our children and our youth to go to, then we wouldn't see as much as, as, as we see. Um, I also have a mentoring program. Um, from working with the after-school children for so long, I've been doing this for 12 years now, I see a need um, to reach down and touch young girls at an early age. And and not to say that boys don't need this as well, and maybe I'll partner with some other mentoring programs for men, um, of men that help boys. But right now my focus is the young girls between the ages of 12 to 18 and really get them uh, going in the right direction. So short-term, continue to just build centers in areas that need it, and long-term to eventually develop a community center. Great. So you guys have got some really good plans in mind. 
what I want to do now is it's just one question left before we end the broadcast, but I want people to know once again, who you are, how they can find you guys and support your products and services. So we'll start with Jamila. Um, Tell people who you are, what you do, and any of your social media that you want to give out, you can give out, and how people can find you. Absolutely. Um, so Jamila Parham, and um, I operate under the alias Detecting a Corn, so I do STEM advocacy. I'm a diversity and inclusion champion. Um, I, I recently was recognized by Ryzen as one of the top ten professionals making impact in their field. So um, I do that through uh, panels and providing resources and mentorship. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jamila Parham, J-A-M-I-L-A, Parham, P-A-R-H-A-M. And you also can visit my website at jamilaparham.com, and I have a contact form. You can reach out to me um, on my site or via social media. And, guys, once again, I'll have all this information in the resource pages as well. So if you weren't able to get all of that, if you weren't able to pause this broadcast when you listen to it later, um, just go to blackpillradio.com and in the resource section, all of that information will be there. So let's move on to Shantae. Tell, tell the people who you are, what you do, and how they can get in contact with you. Okay. My name is Shantae Toad. I'm based out of Phoenix. I own Cocoa Pie Clothing, which is a line for um, girls of color, specifically black girls. Um, I also have two amazing kidpreneurs, uh, Michaela and Kennedy, who operate Ken and Kate Snow Cones. You can reach them at Ken and Kate Snow Cones or myself. I'm everywhere at um, CocoPieClothing.com, C-O-C-O-P-I-E Clothing, and that's across all social media platforms. It's the same. Thank you very much. And last but not least, Ms. Tony, tell people a little bit about you, what you do, and how they can get in touch with you. And I am Tony Nichelle Robinson, and I own and operate a profitable child care center in the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, I actually have partnered with my mom and my sister. We have five altogether. We have two, if you're familiar with the particular areas. We have uh, one in Linwood, two in Salk Village, one in Burnham, and then one in Park Forest, and all of these are, uh, as I said, located in the south suburbs of Chicago. Also, I have a a mentoring program, Pretty and Posh, where we teach different values and principles to young girls from ages 12 to 16, uh, 12 to 18 years old. And when we teach about love and respect, poise and confidence, dressing for success, and the and the uh, secret, which is manifestation of your hopes, dreams, and desires through God's word and prayer, because actually without Him, any none of this would be. Would, would be possible. Um, and you guys can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Tony Michelle. That's T O N I E N E S H E L L E. And then my Instagram handle is I M dot Tony T O N I E. And you can also find me um, on my website at Tony Michelle dot com, where you would have access to the website for my childcare facility as well. Thank you, ladies, for joining the panel and the broadcast. You guys gave us some wonderful information, and I look forward to working with you guys again in the future. As always, to our listeners, please subscribe, please share, please like, please join our our movement and what we're trying to do in terms of Black First and making big things happen for us and within our Black communities and Black businesses. As always, our broadcast is every first and third Sunday morning of each month. 
and we'll see you guys on the 17th where we'll be talking to independent music artists who are making positive soul black music. As always, be safe and peace.